The next chapter with Prim's Ripapad is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. It's Prim. Welcome to the next chapter presented by Baron Davis and Slick Studios. Uh, Speaking of BD, today we wrap up season two of the next chapter with the one and only Baron Davis, a.k.a. the godfather of Los Angeles basketball. I wouldn't necessarily say we save the best for last because obviously every one of our guests are equally important and special, but BD does have a very special place, at least within the context of this show, as the executive producer and also founder of Slick Studios. I mean, he's played such an integral role in supporting and fueling and really just keeping the show alive. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful. But his story definitely aligns with the concept of this show. Nah. One more time. Three, two, one. The next chapter with Prim's Ripapad is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Oh, sorry. Three, two, one. The next chapter with Prim's Ripapad is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, it's Prim. Welcome to the next chapter presented by Baron Davis and Slick Studios. Speaking of BD, today we wrap up season two of the next chapter with the one and only Baron Davis, a.k.a. the godfather of Los Angeles basketball. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say we saved the best for last because obviously every single one of our guests are equally important and special. But I will say BD does have a special place, at least within the context of this show, since he is the executive producer and founder of Slick Studios. And he has played such an integral role in supporting and fueling and keeping the show alive. And for that, I am deeply, deeply, deeply grateful. But his story does perfectly align with the concept of this show. And and, and I'm really excited for you to hear more about his fascinating journey, which has a lot of twists and turns from South Central LA living with his grandmother to the esteemed Santa Monica prep school in Crossroads to McDonald's All-American to UCLA to the NBA where he had a 13-year professional career and became a two-time NBA All-Star and two-time NBA Steals leader. I mean, he could have stopped there, but he didn't. And not only has he remained a fixture within NBA circles as a basketball analyst, but also someone who's really focused on giving back to the community through basketball, but he became an actor, a filmmaker, a producer, director, documentarian, investor, entrepreneur, also father, just so many things. And as I was preparing for this conversation and doing some research, I started to realize just how many interviews he's done and not just in sports, but with so many other outlets and shows just because of his wide ranging interests and projects. And in listening back to these interviews, I started to notice how a lot of them seem to follow the same cadence and address the same areas of his life, most of which are highlighted on his Wikipedia page, which by the way, I use a lot and I get it. So early in our interview, I posed the question, what's the one thing people have failed to ask when they're asking about your journey? And I asked that because I wanted to give him the opportunity to tell a different side of his story, an untold aspect of his story. 
And his answer was, how? How did I do it? That's what people have failed to ask me. And that became the basis of our conversation. So rather than talking about the what, what he achieved and what he did and exploring the how, how he made it this far, how he overcame these obstacles, how he found his North Star through and beyond basketball by asking how we can have a much better appreciation and understanding of just who Barron is, not just as a former athlete, but today as a person. So without further ado, here we are, BD and I, in sunny Los Angeles, California, on the set of Slick Studios. yourself or listen to yourself I would have brought a tv or monitor and kind of play a little part of you so you could watch yourself it's <laughs> <laughs> <bad>. not funny <laughs> too bad <laughs> if is the biggest word in that sense if you would <laughs> but you watch yourself on you but you watch yourself play basketball mm-hmm. a lot a lot yeah. No. Not a lot. Just uh, if I'm with somebody or my kids, I, I'm always like trying to show my kids and then I just start watching. I love basketball. Um, yeah, I just love basketball, whether it's watching myself, old 80s, 90s, other dudes. Like I just I just love basketball and love, you know, just everything that comes with it. There's just so much appreciation, respect, and beauty in the art, you know, mm-hmm. just like the art form uh, of the sport that, you know, that's like, I can fall asleep watching basketball. I used to fall asleep watching basketball. Wow. So you're, you're, were you one of those people that like would sleep with a basketball? Literally? It seems like you have, you, you genuinely like really, really love that. Love it. And it, it sounds obvious, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of elite athletes who they love it. But they won't, like, sleep with the object or they won't, you know, dive into it the way others do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's by my bed or in the bed. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not, like, holding it, cuddling it. That would be <laughs> a little too much. Not I'm your stuffed animal. I'm too old for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, I, sleep, I still sleep with a uh, basketball on my bed or beside my bed. It's, it, it's For me, it's, like, it's my instrument. It's my tool. So whether I'm now creating, writing, I know that's hard to say. Like if I'm writing, I'm dribbling to collect my thoughts, to collect the story, to, you know, write down the songs or the words or whatever it is. It's like basketball is like my instrument. Even if I don't have a ball, like you may see me in the grocery store just, oh, you know what I mean? Just making a move. That's just... It just allows me to have like this, this, this freedom, this freedom, this space to like live in a world that is like completely mine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, it's like you can relate it to an artist painting. You can relate it to a scientist 
cooking up something, you know, to me, that's, that's art. When you like, not even thinking about something and you're like, it's around you, it's your energy. It's like, it's like you see so many different layers to it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, that's so interesting. And it tells me that your relationship with basketball continues to be good because there are some athletes that step away from it and they don't want to have anything to do with it. They'll throw away their trophies. They'll separate from the community. They don't even bother. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll take a little break from even watching it or engaging with it. So that kind of tells me that you you still have a really good relationship with basketball. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been up and down <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, I would say overall, it's like I wouldn't be here without basketball. Um, but also, like, basketball is the thing that broke my heart. You know what I mean? And, like, you know, you, you – and I think and – I, and I feel like you, in order to get to a place of understanding, like, you have to be heartbroken – you have to be, you have to have failed success, success and failures. And, you know, like I've been through a lot with basketball, dealing with people, dealing with teams, institutions, fighting, you know what I mean? And, and, um, yeah, it's just like, there's so much shit going on, right? It's like, this is the only thing that you can actually trust right mm-hmm. that because it got you to a place but along this journey like all of the different people because of this thing you know what i mean this ball like all of the different people and their collective energy like are attached to that equally or mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to draw an attachment you know to me mm-hmm. right and so like this journey right uh, has in has involved so many people, good, bad, uh, great, you know, amazing. Dreams have been carried out, fulfilled. Wishes, hopes. I mean, it's like shit. It's it's no. What more can I? You know, I met. I know Magic Johnson. I know Michael Jordan. I love Larry Bird. I walked. I, I had a conversation with Larry Bird. I know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe. Yeah. I used to have con- Kobe was my dog. I mean, I can walk up to Steph Curry, have a conversation. Like, yeah. come on. You know what I mean? It's like, that's like, that's it. Everything I dreamed of as a kid, every NBA player I ever wanted to meet, Everything about basketball, like, I've pretty much, like, pretty much lived it. And even beyond, like, your your basketball circles, the the Kate Hudson's of the world, your, crosser, your Crossroads experience is so fascinating to mm-hmm. me. And that, that allow you to get into circles that I would imagine, coming from South Central L.A., you probably wouldn't have engaged with. Maybe, maybe later on. Maybe never. Yeah. If I hadn't gone, gone to Crossroads. Uh, because L.A. is probably one of the most segregated cities in America. You know, and it's also defined by the haves and the have-nots. Um, and, you know, having an opportunity to go to Crossroads, you know, people always say, oh, you went, you from South Central, you went to Crossroads. Like, how was Crossroads? It was like, it was, it, once again, it's the journey, like learning the city. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 45 to an hour 
and a half sometimes it, it would take to get to school from the middle of you know the city all the way to the beach and then going to a school where you see in the beach for the first time and then every week you can go you know what i mean it's it's yeah. nothing it's nothing to people over here and so i always say like to kind of like describe my experience um at crossroads is like i was a fresh prince <laughs> But I went back to the hood. You know what I mean? It was no Uncle Phil or none of that. It was like, you know, the Fresh Prince from the hood. So I was going to a school to me that was like Disneyland and trying to stay there as long as possible because I knew I was safe. And then when I go back home, it wasn't that I wasn't safe. It's just my awareness had to change, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to go and create the Disneyland for myself living in South Central because it was shit really going on. Lie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so how do you block all that out? And like, where do you go? You know, and I think Crossroads started helping me understand people. You know, mm -hmm. started helping me understand, like, there there is a history outside of the history that I'm learning. You know, it start, started having me, like, pay attention to detail, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Start learning how to have conversations or listening to conversations that people are having like about business and life and like, you know, watching parents and their kids actually have real conversations about life and politics and like the kids had an opinion, you know what I mean? So a lot of times I was just a fly on the wall mm -hmm. and trying to bring those skills and those things back to my neighborhood and translate that in a way that we need to be doing this too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was very difficult, but you know, it's like, that's how I was learning. Mm -hmm. And I was learning stuff here to get in and learn. You know, it's like Crossroads was good because it just kind of opened up my world to realize that, you know, there's so many people, there's so many cultures, there's so many struggles, there's so many fights, there's so much history to people, right? And then you are allowed, right, to question everything. You are allowed to be whoever you want to be. And you got, you're saying you got that from Crossroads. Yeah. And you can change your mind. You can change your mind again. You can change your mind again. You can change your mind again. Mm -hmm. You can keep changing your mind until you figure out what you want to do. And I think that was the beauty of Crossroads because one year somebody came as, you know, they wanted to be a, a, a gothic person. The next year that gothic person was like now a prepster. The next year that prepster was now like a skateboarder and a hipster. Then that person graduated and went to, uh, I don't know, I forget what, what school, Stanford. And so I started learning that be whoever you want. You can be in the drama department and then be like, yeah, that ain't for me. I really like art, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not quitting, right? It was just like, I want to try something new. Whereas like, I grew up in a culture where you, you start something and you had to finish it. You know what I mean? Which, and you couldn't quit. I feel like that's our culture today, especially when you talk about like youth sports, early specialization, kids declaring that they want to be an NFL player, NBA professional, fill in the blank at seven years old. 
And then for me, growing up in an immigrant family, Asian background, like there's no question, like you, you, my path was, all right, at 12 years old, what do you want to do? Which yep. one do you want to pick? Yep. You got to pick this. You got to dedicate the rest of however long to that. So that's so interesting that you had that experience at Crossroads. And I think that explains so much because out of all the people that I've met and interviewed, the only person that comes to mind might be like a Marcellus Wiley that I've talked to because he's coming from Compton, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he's a social chameleon. And when yeah. I think of you, you are such a social chameleon. Like you really, really depending on what the environment it is. And I've listened to multiple interviews mm -hmm. and like depending whatever the, the context, the environment, the people, like you will just, you'll shift and change. And I just, I don't know if I've really seen <laughs> that. Do you notice that about yourself? or And, and yeah. tell me if I'm like inaccurate, if I'm reading no, this wrong. I, I feel like it is a talent, you know, to be relatable, uh, for people to feel like you're accessible. And so if you build that, like, I think you, you have to also use the right uh, words, you know? we I, I always say, like, man, just pay attention to, like, people's words. And, you know, for me, it's like when I'm talking, whoever it is, I'm, you know, I'm trying to relate, mm -hmm. right? And when I go home, like, to practice, like, I have to figure out how to talk about a kid starting a lemonade stand and then how that kid becomes Paul Newman and how that's a bit, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm always trying to figure out like, like what's the narrative of the story, even in conversations that I hear now. Sometimes it's annoying. Though. I mean, it's, what's <laughs> annoying that you just have like, to change? I, like, like that I'm always thinking about, you know, like, I, I, and I, and I would say like, Maybe that's my practice because practice is annoying. You know what I mean? But it's just like kind of like rehearsing, like trying to solve problems. And if people are like ideating on something, trying to figure out the solution and then give it immediately right back. You know, so I would say that like that's my practice as like a creative, as a business person, you know, uh, as a networker or whatever you want to call it, you know, a connector, um, is it's all based on like listening to people and like solving problems. So when I speak, it's like, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not just on the panel, just talking shit or like making you gassed up and you're like, Oh, I feel good. But like, what am I going to do? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And it's a lot of people, you know, it's just a lot of people out here that, are doing things for reasons that are self-serving. And I just don't, I mean, I'd rather just kind of like live to serve people. Mm -hmm. You talk about just your history and um, a little bit about your past. And I'm curious about, you know, there's a lot, of, you have a lot of titles and labels, especially today now at 43 years young. Mm -hmm. So, you know, godfather of Los Angeles basketball, two-time NBA All-Star, you're a basketball analyst, filmmaker, producer, director, entrepreneur, investor. The, the list goes on. But I'm curious about, after having listened to multiple interviews 
I feel like they kind of follow a normal trajectory of like, okay, mm-hmm. you start basketball at this age, South Central, Crossroads, yeah. UCLA, NBA, boom, retire, all that stuff. What's what's the one thing that people forget or fail to ask about your path that's really important? How did I do it? They don't know the. I mean, it's just like you don't know the details. But I would. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. People usually ask me about basketball. It was just. I would say like how like, how did you do it? You know what I mean? Like, if you could change. Five decisions that you made, that wouldn't affect who you are today, but mm-hmm. could ultimately like, make you a better person. What were those five decisions that you made? what would, like, where would you be? You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, like, we look at people who are successful and, you know, we get an opportunity as the people that are successful to, like, share our story and our journey. But a lot of that should just be, like, hella positive. Yes. (laughs) It'd be be super positive. You know, it's, like, super positive, super motivational and, like, we don't Man. talk about, we don't highlight well, if I could the go low lights. Some, yeah, well, people, like, we're going through the worst shit, the same shit you're going through. Mm-hmm. Magnified, you know what I mean? And so people don't ask about, like, all the bad mistakes, all the bad shit I did, you know what I mean? All the, like, times I was an asshole, you know what I mean? Like, when I lost, when I was down, like, what, what was that doing when I was injured? Like what, you know, it's like nobody asks about that because don't nobody want to hear that shit. You know what I mean? They do. Because people are really going through it. And so they don't, a lot of times it's like you don't want to really make the connection because if you do, then it's probably some shit that you're dealing with too. It's like, you know, going to church. And the preacher giving a, a, a sermon, and you're like, damn, did he like, did somebody tell him I was coming today? You know what I mean? It's like, damn. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's that connection and figuring out, you know, yeah. how to like just make yourself better because that's the whole part of the journey again, you know? So, how did you do it? I'll ask you the question that, that no one else has asked, I'll giving see. you the opportunity to talk about those low lights or whatever you want to fill in? Um, always kind of like just trusted my North Star. Always, um, I tried to stay sucker free. Try to stay sucker free. Explain. What, what does that mean? Because it's a lot of bad people out here. You know what I mean? And a lot of there are a lot of people that are professional suckers. Blood suckers, money suckers, energy suckers, just people who just, they don't know how to give shit. They just know how to take. And so, like, I would say, you know, even a lot of times dealing with those people, right, but knowing that, you know, they ain't getting no further than nowhere. You know what I mean? And just realizing that, you know, when I say stay sucker free, it's like there's no way, like your reputation, 
my reputation, like my reputation gonna be with my what I choose my reputation to be. I'm not gonna let people kind of pawn their reputation off on me. Mm-hmm. So I gotta get this leech off me. You know what I mean? Because that's not your blood. It's my blood. You know what I mean? It's not your blood. It's my blood. And I think people do that in business. People come around athletes and they want to, you know, oh man, da 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 da. Like, oh, like people are so good at making you feel good and making you feel like, you know, like this is where you need to go. You know what I mean? And it's almost like you see a lot of people get hypnotized. Yeah. You know, and it, and and for me, it was like. Growing up in L.A., becoming a millionaire at 19, you know what I mean? Coming from South Central, you know, having dudes that I hoot with that were now, like, going to college, going to jail. You know what I mean? And it was like, it was that, college, jail, streets. And so now, becoming a target, however you look at it, right, it also forced me to, like, accept that. That you're a target. Absolutely. And so, because in LA, you're always a target. Whether you're an innocent bystander, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that that mentality for me was like, all right, I'm a target. I know what's coming. So I'm like listening and I'm trying to like, in real time, learn what is happening, understand what's going on in the NBA. You know, and so it was like, the most important thing I, I, I would say was like people who were like who had something for me but didn't give me anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like those were the things that I was trying to like shake off and avoid because I was like really on like a, this journey on my own. There was no person that I could call and be like, hey man, I'm having a hard time. Yeah, like there was there, like. I didn't have like a, a, a mom and dad in my journey. You know what I mean? My grandma was just there and I wasn't going to bother her. So it was like, really, I was like a grown, 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 grown person. You know what I mean? So it was just, there was never a moment in, in, or a person that I can think of where I can just pick up the phone and feel at ease. You know what I mean? And so with that, it was just, learning how to like try and get over on somebody before they got over on me. And like when I was 18, 19, and then as I started getting older, I was like, well, I don't have to allow anybody to get over on me because I don't have to be around them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if I start moving and doing what I want to do, then I won't be hypnotized by whatever the bright lights, the jewelry, the fame and the fortune. I'll just like, Hey, I'll be my own agent, you know what I mean? So that cut out a lot. Uh, me and my homeboys have just managed my career. That cut out a lot, you know what I mean? New friends, new homies, and and things of that nature. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this agent money, and I'm going to try things. And so that gave me kind of like my opportunity to build a case study for myself You know what I mean? Building a business around the things that I always wanted to do. And so I would say now, you know, towards the middle, the third chapter of my career, 
there's a lot of things that I can do or know how to do. You have because, a lot going on. Because I was I was 20 years old. I was my own agent. That's unbelievable. So how you did it, I'm going to try really hard to summarize it. You, you clearly did it on your own, self-made. For the most part, it sounds like of your childhood. Other outside of your grandmother, you really, you didn't have this support system in the sense of like that person that you could call. You were guided by your North Star. And then once you were up and running, you, you eliminated and cut out the fat and kept your circle really tight. So I know that you were raised by your grandmother, mm -hmm. but so, and what about your mother and father? I don't know too much about that background. Yeah, they just had hard times when I was growing up. Uh, my mom, uh, my dad, rest in peace, he passed away. Uh, I think when I was like 21. Mm. Like the day before we played the Lakers, the first time I was inviting him to an NBA game. Wow. He literally died the day, the day of the game wow. when we were flying in from Utah. But like, you know, he, he he grew up rough, South Central, on some hard times, you know, him and, you know, him and my mom, my mom the same. And so, you know, they fell prey to all the negative things, you know, uh, in LA and in the streets. And so it was like hard to have, it was, it was nothing good coming out of none of that. Um, but I would say the, the, the beauty of it all, um, is that like me and my mom are so tight now. Mm. She's sober, she's straight. And like, we've been rocking and like, you know, just being best friends for the last, you know, the last 10, 12 years, you know what wow. I mean? And it's, and like really just knowing each other and like knowing, getting to know her, you know what I mean? Cause I felt like we missed a lot of time just kind of like trying to get it together. Yeah. And but that was, you know, that for me, it was like, if I did not become my own agent and do shit my way, then I would have not ha not spent the time. You know what I mean? It was like, it was spending the time to like, be like, fuck fame. I got to make sure like this shit is right. You know what I mean? Fuck yeah. Cabo and going to Bali. And I wanted to do that shit. But I had to go make sure, like, my mom was straight. You know what I mean? And so once I got to the NBA and I realized, like, I can do what I want. Yeah. And money was a resource to do what I want. I wanted to use that to, like, try and solve problems or fix things. So how you do it is you, you really take chances you like go. you're really you you're really um you're calculated and you think about it but you don't really mess around because there's not a lot of people that after not having the relationship maybe that they would have wanted with their parents take the time to work on that relationship and heal mm -hmm. you know i have a few friends a lot of friends that has that dynamic and a lot of them don't want to don't even want to touch it yeah it's 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 touchy it's touchy because you know there 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 there's a kid there that the adult version of you can't you know like you 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 like you don't know if this kid is going to ever forgive you yeah you know what i mean and so like 
you know, like as an adult, when you think about that kid and you think about what that kid was going through, you know, for me, it took me, I, I believe it was Father's Day uh, to go to my dad and like bring him flowers and say happy Father's Day. And, you know, and kind of like my humor and candor and just also my confidence. I was like, I'm the daddy now, motherfucker. Was, I, can I, I'm the daddy now. Well, you're the executive producer, you know I mean? so, uh, I mean. <laughs> and that's what I said. I'm like, like, I'm daddy now. Like, I got, you know, like, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a man, and, like, now it's like I'm going to NBA games, and I'm seeing dudes with their daddies in the stands. Like, real relationships. Like, oh, he took me to practice and shit. And I'm like, man, like, fuck it. Like, if you weren't how you were, I wouldn't have been who I was. Mm -hmm. So I actually came to thank you because if you were in my life, especially how you are, you're probably fuck my shit up, bro. And he started laughing. We started laughing. And I realized, and I was like 21, 22 years old. I realized like, and it took everything in my power to go see this man. You know what I'm saying? It took, yeah. I was scared. I was nervous. I was like, you what know. What prompted it? So what got you there to that it was point? my daddy. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was never around. It was just like, I didn't fuck with him. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think my sister was telling him that he was sick. I should go see him and shit like that. And it was just like, I, it just took a lot. It took a lot. It took a lot to like make yeah. Just to get out, you know, to, like, first of all, I don't even remember, but I'm like, where the fuck did I buy them flowers from? You know what I mean? It was just like, it was all kind of like this, like, numb moment, but it's something behind you pushing you, like, like, God, when you do this, like, you're going to be a man. You know what I mean? Like, it, like when you do this, like, it ain't going to even be, there is no conversation to have about what happened. You feel me? It's like, all right, dog, let's go out. It, we good. You know what I'm saying? And like, that was kind of like a lot of times we as successful people that come from fucked up places or, you know, fucked up situations, we don't want to, like, we live in it. We don't want to address it. But like, it's okay. We can move. Like, he had me. I wouldn't be here if it, if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be in the NBA if it wasn't for him. Mm -hmm. Right now, if you're a bad, if, if you didn't parent, you know, uh, the way that we saw that shit in books or the way I saw it in school, it's okay, bro, because I am who I am. And I got you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So now you can tell me, like, what the fuck is, like, this lump in the back of my neck? Do you have one? Do you have, like, this? Like, are you, are, is one toe longer than that? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, tell me what the fuck, like, do you have these things? Like, I need to know. You know what I mean? And a lot of times we got to go and fuck with our parents no matter what because it's going to make us better parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because we have to know. Yeah. What were you going through? When you were 35, when you was 40 years old, like, what was you saying in life? You know what I mean? Like, good or bad. It's the information is like, that's where you come from. And so, you know, for me, it's like just understanding that, respecting that, and not having the parents didn't mean that I didn't, like, have parents around. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? 
And so you like go and find that village. My grandmother was like the most solid person in the world. Mm. You know what I mean? She was the most solid per person in the world. Like there was, everybody loved her. You know what I mean? And she stayed solid and she gave love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like that was enough for me to know I had one person. You know what I'm saying? And everybody else like chipped in and loved how they love. But, you know, sometimes you just, you got to go find your family. Yeah. I think that makes so much more sense because when I come here to your studio, which mm -hmm. is such an interesting, cool space, and it's pretty big. I don't know. It's like 5,000, <laughs> 6,000 square. I don't yes, even know. Yes. Ten, whatever <laughs> it is. But the thing that struck me as I got to meet your team finally in person, I was like, that's so interesting. He's like really created this family, the sense of community. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you're somebody that really has your your hands on every single person and every single project. Mm -hmm. And now, and and now, I think that loyalty and really connecting with people who are authentic, the the sucker free mentality, mm -hmm. like that makes so much more sense. Yeah, it's like like you said, cut through the fat. You recognize talent. You recognize good people. People want outlets. People want voices. You know, and like shit, I do too, right? And I want to identify dope talent, dope creators, people who can, you know, champion thought and, and champion what the fuck they're passionate about. And that's why, you know, that's why Bill Slick was like, you look at social media, you look at YouTube, you look at all these medium and media, medium platforms, and it's like, you have to shift through all the bullshit just to find good people yeah. or a good conversation. Or a good group of, you know, content or a good, like, it, 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 it's so, like, all over the place. That was slick. It was just like, man, if we could tag a person and that person tags a person, that person tags a person, then you got all, you know, solidified, authentic, validated people in an ecosystem. And, you know, it's like, we are, we all kind of like the same shit because we're all a part of the culture. Mm -hmm. Now, if we can start tagging and, and nominating and upgrading and upping people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And give them a platform where they can create and collaborate and co-create and get their, get their shit out and have distribution. Then I like, I like our chances mm -hmm. because it's ultimately like, I just want to see all that shit in one space. <laughs> you know what I it's mean? It's hard. I want to see yeah. your show, uh, Marshall, Marshall, at Jason's <laughs> own show, uh, Glasses show, uh, Fuzzy show, like all of the all the podcast, Jason Main show, all all of the podcasting and all the shit that we're building and bringing in is really just a family label ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Run your shit. We all work together. We all help each other. And at the end of the day, like, you know, high tides rise all ships. Yeah. And so, it don't matter who is, who gets the Emmy. It doesn't matter who gets the Webby. It doesn't matter who gets the big major deal. It's like, we're going to celebrate wins. And as long as we continue to celebrate wins, we'll be in a winning system, winning culture. And practice will be practice. And games, game time is game time. And all you want to do really is just be on the team and play. So you're you're really acting as that bridge. I forgot what interview I was listening to. I mean, it was like all the smoke or some 
one of those interviews, and it was really good. They did a really good job. But you talk about being that bridge. And I think at the time you were talking about maybe bridging the gap between South Central and Crossroads and those two communities. But I think over time, it seems like you're really that connector of bridging the gap between all these different mm -hmm. communities. So going back to raised by your grandmother, knowing a little bit more about your mom and dad. So you talked about that North Star. What was that North Star? What was the, what was the thing that was leading you in terms of how you did it? Was it basketball or was it just like a general ph philosophy? Well, it was basketball for sure. And then it's curiosity. Mm. And it's wanting to do shit. I want to actually be able to do stuff. Like I'll probably never learn to play the piano or I may learn to play the piano. You know what I mean? Like I challenge myself. It's the curiosity. I think the North Star is like the curiosity. Basketball was like the vehicle. Right. So once I got once basketball started becoming like the thing that kept me going straight and narrow, right? Then I was like trying to just catch that North Star. When I got to the NBA, I realized that basketball was a business. You know what I mean? And basketball was like had so much shit involved in it. You know what I mean? Then my North Star, the star started getting further away. And I start seeing like the responsibility in the basketball, right, uh, that I had, right, where I was in time and what I wanted to do and what everybody, around, all the athletes around me wanted to do, but we didn't have access. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go do this. Oh, shit, like, uh, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to go do this because so-and-so said, like, that's what he wants to do. And so I started doing things, right, or trying to do things that our crew, our ecosystem of, like, NBA dudes and shit like that, like, nobody was busting out the seams or, like, trying to poke holes, mm -hmm. right, in that, in that bubble that they was trying to put us in. And so I was just listening and, like, poking holes. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that your transition from basketball was a little bit easier or was Hell it still no. okay oh because you went God. out really oh no it was the worst was that the was, was the that the worst. hardest part was that the hardest time of my life yeah. bro i mean i would say it, you know like you have some hard times in life and i think each moment and situation is special and unique that was like the hardest time of my life. And speaking about basketball and like my love and all this shit, after I got hurt, I was like, um, okay, I'm probably, I can't play basketball ever again. So I'm going to give myself amnesia. Wow. So I'm, I'm going to think that I never played basketball. And I'm going to treat myself that like I didn't play basketball. So that goes along with the athletes I've talked to where they just completely want to erase and forget that side of it. So you went through that phase. I went of through like that big time. I went through that big time. And I was like an asshole to a lot of my fans. I apologize. But people would be like looking at me and I'd be like, what the fuck are you looking at? And I'm like, aren't you Baron Davis? I'm like, nope. 
And it was like not even thinking about like, but I was trying, like, if somebody came up to me, like, dog, oh, you belt basketball. Nah, bro, I'm cool. I couldn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? But like, it was just like something that I felt like I needed to do in order to distance myself from the fact that like, this was like, they, you know, I was on the castaway boat, <laughs> you know, what I mean? getting further and further away from the shore. So I was like, all right, well, I'm a fisherman now. You know what I mean? I've never been to that island. And then I just started like, because you like ashamed, you embarrassed, you know, you know, like you're seeing like your homeboys who are two or three years younger and they still rocking. And it's like, damn, dude, like, like, where am I? Where do I fit in? Like, where do I, you know, it's like, who am I? Who do I want to be? And like, the last thing you want to do is go around that because you get fucking excited. Your body feel good. You know what I mean? You want to play again. You want to be a part of it. And it's like, there's no room for you. Mm. You know what I mean? And, you know, uh, but I think now it's like, it's a great time to be a basketball player, retired basketball player. There's so many opportunities to like still do what you do. And mm -hmm. fans are still, you know, uh, supportive of like, you know, just the game. I think basketball, it doesn't, it, like to me, I, once I like kind of got that out of my system, I realized it was a documentary that I was going to do. And it was a, um, there's a men's basketball league and like an NCAA tournament. And it's called the Masters of Basketball or something like that. Hmm. And I believe it's like 55 and up. And there's a tournament and these dudes, they in there like, I'll show you the trailer. I shot a trailer. I'll show you the trailer. But it was. Wow. When I did it, I didn't really, really realize like how that was going to impact me. And there was a guy who was, they were like, how old are you? He was like, I'm 86. <laughs> And then, and he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to play about another two or three years and I'm going to hang it up. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. My Hell time yeah. is <laughs> My time. Wait, hold on. Start the clock. I'm about, if they're getting down like that, and it was just like, it was the most like, and how inspiring. old were you? This Where is was... like uh, maybe six what? or seven, maybe eight years ago now. It's been a while, uh, like 2013, 14. So then you had your in, you had your massive knee injury, in 2012. 20, yeah. So then it must have been within the two years yeah, within your injury. It was like 2014. Okay. Because I remember I spoke at the NBA Tech Summit, met this young lady who was like programming us. And I think at the time she worked for Amazon and she was like, yo, my dad loves basketball. You have to like, and I was just like, all right, cool. Like I'll send the camera crew. Like I want to make, I want to make content. Uh, but it was just a, it was a great plug. Uh, we didn't wind up doing anything. We should though. But the five minute trailer that was shot was like, it immediately changed my life. And I realized like, dude, I'm about to be hooping at 50, 60 years old in the gym talking shit to my homeboys. <laughs> right. And then I start going back to the gym and like, you know, working out and getting back in the gym playing. And it was like, man, if I never play in the NBA again, like 
who knows? I go play in the G League, got a chance to play in the G League, went and played in the big three, which was eh, you know what I mean? But um, there's a league somewhere, you know, where I think is going to come out of this retirement situation and, like, allow for, like, uh, something extremely complimentary to the NBA. Because basketball is just taking off, mm-hmm. right? And I think that, you know, the NBA does it the best. Um, G League is is obviously cut from the NBA's cloth. Um, but nobody else, like, you know, I, I like TBT and things like that, but it's, it's like it's so many. You got TBT, you got um, the Drew League, you got all these great places that's just like, giving people an opportunity, even the big three, giving people the opportunity to play. And it's like, but there's still like something that's going to come about where it's going to create a whole nother, mm-hmm. you know, capture a whole nother audience and ecosystem of people who just love the game. So that moment of seeing a, did you say he was like 86? Mm-hmm. Or So seeing that 86 year old man continue to have a relationship with basketball sparked your interest and like I can re-engage with basketball maybe in a different way so it sounds like that might have led to maybe your your return or comeback in 2015 but before we go there you know we kind of talk about like how did you do it you know our the conversation oftentimes is focused on how we overcame and the resiliency so I'm gonna I'm gonna put the microscope on that moment that period that was like really difficult because I think it's important for not only, not only fans, but also athletes to really mm-hmm. understand, right? Cause that's the concept of this show is like really putting a microscope on that part. So, and I find it interesting that you were, you felt shame because I, I think to, to fans, they would say, I mean, this guy played for over 10 years, two-time NBA all-star, like, you know, did all these things, you know, achieved such great heights. And it's not like you were pushed out. You suffered a serious injury. Yeah. You, you tore your MCL, LCL, everything, kneecap, MBL. all that other stuff. So, <laughs> so like, I think most people would be like, you went out like great. a warrior. Yeah. yeah. Like a soldier. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I respect all that. I appreciate all that, so, but it's like, I did not go out on my own terms. So that's what it boils down to. You that's wanted to go it, out on your own terms. Oh yeah. I actually, I wanted, you know what I always envisioned as I started getting older? I was like, who is the young dude that's going to retire me? You know what I mean? Like, I wanted, like, I wanted to, like, wake up, go to a game, and be like, damn, dude, Steph Curry just murdered me. The next day, damn, you wanted Lillard that just instead of. Me. Leah, that's how I got to go. That's how I got to go because I, I won. Would have enjoyed it, appreciated it, and then like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, it it probably could have been something in that exchange that I could have gave them to, you know what I mean? So I kind of like missed out on like this whole generation of like PGs that, you know, we would have either been on ba- battle to back up, you know what I mean? It's just like I miss like that part, you know what I'm saying? And. Like a given even take. Playing, even playing in that era, it was just kind of like, damn, dude, like this is the era that was meant for me. You know what I mean? That's why I tried it with the G League. I thought I had a chance, I had a good chance with the G League. 
But I got injured again. That was in 2015 and 16? Mm-hmm. Right. And then now I just be hooping, but, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's fun. Like, now basketball is, is fun because the way they hoop now and the way they play is, like, all you got to do is be in shape and, like, have skills. So it's, you know, it's like, all right, I, I get to make a little money in the summer, you know, from some one-on-ones. And Making money on one-on-one. What, are you going to the park and, like, hustling people? No, what are you no, doing? No, we At the pickup, you know, there's always a sucker. There's, a, there's always a fool who want to play some one-on-one oh, no. for some money. Who is doing that with you? Man, young dudes, young NBA dudes <laughs> with a lot of money. <laughs> dudes with new contracts. <laughs> Uh, that should be a show in itself. So, I know, right? <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, uh, trying to hustle BD on the court, like <laughs> me hustling NBA dudes and dudes from overseas when they get their check. That's great. I'm like, man, you want to play one on one? Like, we start playing. Like, man, you want to play? Like, you want to play for like five thousand? You want to play for twenty thousand? That's hilarious because I just saw on social media about um, Duhan putting a bet with Kobe that he wouldn't score like a triple double. And I forgot whatever, whatever game it was. Right. Oh, we did. Yeah. And he obviously lost that bet because you <laughs> yeah, know, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe doesn't lose, doesn't, Kobe, Kobe doesn't lose anything. He, he didn't lose anything. Against Kobe. <laughs> so, so 2012 to 2016, was that the period that was, you were, you were mad. You were trying to figure your way through no, basketball. Just, I would say more so just kind of lost. I was lost, more lost. So what did it lost feel like and look like, and how did you find yourself? It didn't feel like nothing. It didn't look like nothing. It was just like, you know, I couldn't walk really because uh, of my knee. And so, like, I was bed in the bed for like three months with my leg straight like this. So then once my leg was out the cast, like, I had to work, like, trying to learn how to bend my shit. So first it was like, all right, I need to learn how to walk again you know what I mean or like I need to figure out how to bend my knee you know and and I will and I was like yo like all I want to do is to be able to walk standing up and then one day I was like damn dude I'm walking like what the fuck and I was like well maybe I'd need to like if I can walk faster you know what I mean and be able to bend and like do a squat like, that's all I want, because then at least I can, like, walk, you know, shoot a free throw. I don't want to be a cripple. And then next thing you know, I'm walking, and I'm jogging, and I'm running. And I'm like, dude, what if I went and played basketball? And so I went and played basketball with my drunk homies and shit, because they all fat and slow. And I was like... <laughs> You know, moving like this, you know, because I was injured. BD still I, got it. So I was like, I can keep up. You know, I can keep up with these fools. They're going to get tired. Um, and then I was like, oh, that was cool. And we hung out, and it was just like, it wasn't the NBA, but it, it reminded me of, like, what basketball give you, that love, that camaraderie. And then, like, every step of the way, it was just, I was just asking myself, to accomplish something small. Hmm. And then even in my life, I was like, man, I was in such a fog. I was like, that part was like super chaotic. And when was that? Twenty, Because that's like my grandpa, grandma had died 
you know, and then I hurt my knee and you know what I mean? And so it was like, and that was the time when you had your kids, right? Because you had and then, 2014 yeah, and 2016. Then I had my kid in 2014. And so between that, it was just trying to figure out like who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be, like how I wanted to be it. And like, you know, it's like uh, when I got hurt, I, I looked up and I'm like, yo, I got all this money. I got nothing to live for. Like nobody to call, nothing to share with, things like that. And then, you know, uh, got married, had a kid and realized that, you know, like, damn, dude, like I get a chance to be like an amazing father. You know what I mean? And so like, I think my kids, you know, have really been like, my reason for like going through the depression, the anxiety, the hit rock bottom, the rabbit hole, the like, you know, and like I start realizing that I could, and then Batman is my favorite movie, uh, <laughs> Dark Knight, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, I'm, you know, it's almost like the Batman sequence uh, uh, scene when he goes all the way to the pit and he has to figure out how to get out. And a lot of times we do that to ourselves. We dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And we, you know what I mean? We always say, oh, we keep dig digging deeper, deeper and deeper holes, but it's not a deep hole. It's just a whole bunch of like bullshit in a little shallow pond. So you can, you gotta, you know what I mean? Just step the fuck out and say, you know what? I don't have to hold myself accountable for rabbit holing. I can apologize to myself. I can forgive myself. I can go ask for forgiveness. I can start, go start mending, mending, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And patching up the things that I was ashamed of, I was embarrassed of, you know what I mean? Um, and whatever comes with that, comes with it but it's also a part of like who I am and who I'm going to be and why I need to like be something. Mm -hmm. I, I hear the description about the idea that this so-called rabbit hole was a lot shallower than you thought. However, in a lot of the research that I'm doing in doctoral training and all this stuff, it's crazy to look at some of the literature. I'm coming at it from an uh -huh. academic perspective, yeah. but just to see how athletic retirement they're finding, especially, I think, especially in today's modern day sports landscape, that retirement can be a traumatic experience that also leads to and precipitates mental health issues and disorders. So it's not, you are definitely not the first case. In the research that I'm doing, it's like, Oh, yeah. Like, here's another case of like retirement. And then it happens to lead to substance abuse or depression or anxiety or interpersonal issues or question identity loss, like fill in the blank, all right. of these things, you know, a loss in identity and structure and support and all these things. You just kind of go through that list. So I say that not necessarily to like counter what you're explaining, but to validate your experience in the sense of like what you went through, you're certainly not the only one. And it's, no, and it's no, hard, no. especially when you, you talked about like your North Star and all these people that were connected with this one thing, basketball. It kind of makes sense. Like when, when that exits your life, like it's just kind of like, well, God, what, what else is, what else is out there? Who am I? But that wasn't the North Star. And that's what we have to realize. That's the star that other people paint for us. 
and then to uh, also to add to mental health in retirement, right? How about mental health when you get the fucking money? Yeah, absolutely. So you can't, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, motherfuckers retire. Excuse me, like, what? Yeah. People retire and they got mental health issues and like, you know, concussions and all this shit. It's like, no. The journey, the start, before, you can't diagnose somebody after they already been fucked up. They've been fucked up for 40, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to retire. And it's like, you have to deal with real life shit. There is no escape. People who play sports or have high IQs or music and art and film. The reason why people make mistakes or like say, oh, because they already had it and that it, that was their escape. That is where the they found a sucker or a sucker found them and figured out how to take that and hide that and get them into the system. So, you know what I mean? So they can get what they needed. They can get what they needed out. You know what I mean? And the problem is it goes back to the beginning. You know what I mean? Because everything is manufactured and on an assembly line, right? that nobody has the time to pay attention to if somebody is mentally fucked up. Right. Yeah. And dudes are. Or need the help. Yes. Because, like, you know, I I look at myself like, damn, dude, I done been through a whole bunch of shit or, like, like movie-type shit. And then I look at my teammates and I'm like, damn, dude, they going through a lot, too. But, like, they ain't me. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't have like, they, they don't, they don't see themselves after. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They like the people that they have around them are like, like, you know, like we all look into each other and cry for help. You know what I'm saying? Because like, it's like, yo, bro, I got like, like, damn, dog, you got like thirty leeches on you. It's like, yo, bro, you got like four leeches, and like, you know, if we could all like. We all need need the help. So and and at the same time, we 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 have to be so confident. Mm-hmm. We have to be so sure of ourselves. We have to be so without want, without need, right? We have to be indestructible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, like we have to also be vulnerable. You know what I mean? We have to be people's scapegoat people sounding bored, you know, it's like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of giving and giving and giving and nobody's fueling. They're feeling the athlete facade, Baron Davis, they're, the basketball they're player. They're feeling what the stereotypes, the trends, the styles, they want you to like, they want to frame your background. Everybody want to put their collage pictures on your yearbook page and shit. That's what it is. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. but you, but at the same time, it's like, you don't know who these people are. You know, you're, you know what I mean? On your yearbook page, or you don't know that party, or you didn't even know that you did like to drink. Mm-hmm. Right. You didn't know that you did like to gamble. You didn't know that you did. You know, it's like, there's so much, there's a lot of the negative or people like, 
hey man, you better than him, or da-da-da-da. And it's like building animosity and jealousy for your teammates. It's all that's it's just all of it. And it's like if we can hold on, if we could if our generation can hold on to each other and shake out follow leeches, you know what I mean? And you know, you see what like Allen Iverson or like what LeBron is doing Steph Curry with, you know, golf and J.R. Smith with golf, uh, women's sports. It's just like our our ecosystem, and I say our generation, are, are like the barrier breakers. Mm. Like we're breaking glass ceilings. We're breaking, we're punching holes in the bubbles because people realize that we need each other, you know, and so there's been more collaboration, more togetherness, more like, champion and people speaking out you know uh to do that i love the collaboration aspect i feel like the pandemic kind of pushed that forward mm -hmm. and i love that aspect and then you kind of mentioned this like a few minutes ago but when you were talking about the mental health and the journey during your career and you're talking about the money and the fame and i did i actually did my research apprenticeship on the transitional and lived experiences of African-American former professional and football players. And so one thing that I, when I was looking at, like I had like 11 participants when I was like going through all these interviews and just like going through the data, there's something about the professional journey that it's like the money, fame, pressure, expectation. I mean, it just, it really causes and create so many issues. And it's a hard thing to navigate on and, and, uh, an experience that not a lot of people can relate to. Because I, I think from, from the outsider's view, they're like, okay, money, you got money, solve, fame, good, you get everything you need. But it reminds me of a story where Josh Childress, former NBA, Stanford player, signs the biggest contract in Euro European basketball history. He goes over there and there's just all this money and all this hype. He's in Greece. And, you know, during our interview, he, he admits, he's like, I turned into a recluse. Like yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't can't handle it. No money. And it, and it seemed to kind of trigger his social anxiety. Yeah. So he goes on the court, you know, he, now he's like airballing from the free throw line, all this other stuff. So it's more just kind of shedding yeah. light on, you know, just how hard the dark side, the yeah. business side. Of professional sports. Yeah, you, I always say like, you know, you have a kid that never had nothing, a million dollars, and no instructions. <laughs> you know, there's no instructions. <laughs> there are no instructions. Literally no instructions. There's no template. There's no call center. There's no crisis hotline for I just got a million dollars. What do I do? You know what I mean? It's like shit. He got a million dollars and it's a whole crowd of people running over there. You know what I mean? With proposals, pictures. And when some people want to, I never touched a millionaire. I never took a picture. Some people like, you got a million. I know it, 10,000 ain't nothing to him. Or somebody be like, man, at least 100,000. Like, you, you know what I mean? It's like, man, that's cold bloody. You get a million dollars with no instructions. Like imagine... Imagine if you were not who you were. And I imagine you were in college mm -hmm. and you're doing all this research. And I'm like, 
You know what, Prim? I love this mental health research paper. Here's a million dollars. It's yours. I would do nothing responsible with it. You, I mean, <laughs> the first right? thing you're going to do is nothing responsible. No. You're going to go and go. We're going to go shit. celebrate. Yeah, you're going to go. We're going to yeah. celebrate. And it's like, damn, okay, what do I want? What did, what did I always want? All right, I wanted this car. Okay, I'm going to go get me some shoes. Mm-hmm. Right, you got to go get your fit and all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, man, I'm going to take my best friend. And then you spending all this money on yourself. You're like, damn, I can't keep leaving my best friend out. Let me get them fresh. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, we going out. It's like, oh, we, you don't want your homegirls dirty and dusty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't go up and then they go down. You know what I mean? So you got to get them right. <laughs> so that first day, you, you know, that first day you ball- <laughs> that first day you balling. You know what I mean? You balling. And that shit feel good. Right. You know, it's like, damn, I did something. Now you got this brand new car. You just burning rubber around all around the city. You know, like you wasting gas. You forgot to buy a place. You're like, oh, shit, I got to go get some, I don't get a place to stay. Then it's like, oh, I got no furniture. You got to go get furniture. You know what I mean? And it's like, you just doing shit. You just doing shit because it's like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, here's the problem. I gave you the million. Now, somebody know I gave you the million. Mm. Now they're going to say, hey, this is what you need to do. And you got four people like that. And you're going to have to figure out who are you going to listen to. The financial person is telling you, or if they're smart, to put this shit in a bank and don't do nothing. Man, I don't want to hear that shit. Get out of here. Your parents or friend or confidant. That may be saying, hey, if you need help, I know some people that can help you, da-da-da-da-da, that may not have a million dollars, but can help you. Then you're going to talk to the millionaire, and it's going to say, don't spend your money. Don't give nobody shit. Don't buy nobody shit because (laughs) it ain't a lot of money. You know what I mean? And then you're going to meet the person, and it could be the friend, the best friend, the auntie, the mama, the cousin, whomever it is. That's going to say, yo, you know you know what you got to do. Look at your shoes. You got to go get yourself right. And they're just going to be there to just make sure you spend in because some, gonna, some, some fruit going to fall off that tree if they keep you hmm. in this space. So that million dollars, you know what I mean? That money is like, that money can, can, can move. But not that money can move and move you and move people and people can move you. And so it's like almost like a Rubik's Cube. And then like, that's your money. Now you have to go out with all this shit that's happening over here and the attention to your money and then go try to perform. And then people say, well, you're worth it. He's not worth it and this and that. And then that's where that anxiety exists as well as this anxiety, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, the athlete is sitting in the middle and and all the time is saying like, all I need is this. All I need is this. Like you're trying to figure out what you need so you can just be better and perform well and be great for the people that are giving you the most anxiety. And everybody needs something from you and wants something from you. Absolutely. 
team, organizations, Absolutely. fans, league, culture, Absolutely. family, friends, cousins, people coming out of the woodwork, now knowing who you are, your your money is out there, your contract, your $65 million max deal. giving you anything. You are paying for everything. So that's why athletes talk about how isolating it feels. It probably feels like you're just on this yeah. island. And that's why you see like a lot of athletes, like they trainers become their best friends because it's like, man, I'm paying them. I'm getting results. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like maybe easier to just pay my trainer to be around and like I don't have to deal with somebody who's not giving me something that I can't benefit from. So spinning it forward from basketball, what's the BD manual? What's for how, the manual? What's, if you could create a manual? Initial stages, obviously, Yikes. because there's going to be a lot of iterations of this Don't manual. Give me, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> 50 pages. It's going to be 50 pages to start. Uh, I would say the BD manual, um, purpose over profit. Hmm. Always make sure that your purpose far exists past your profit. Because that means you're doing something you love and they can't, there's no amounts, they can pay you whatever, you're still gonna do it. But so, and then also purpose over profit means when you do get money, right? That the money you get should fulfill your, you should be getting that because you're fulfilling your purpose. And your purpose is gonna have a much bigger impact. Uh, number two is, Curiosity, be curious, listen, um, because curiosity is how you evolve. Listening is free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Usually. I mean, listening to great people is free. Podcast, great show, podcast. Self-help, listen. Listening is free. Um, and so your curiosity and listening should translate into three is trying things and knowing that failure leads to success. Hmm. And that's how I take chances. Having space for failure and mistakes. Always. You leave enough, you be so nimble that you always leave room for mistakes or failure because you may, it, you may fail doing something and it may click and that, that is what you need to grow it so you don't, you don't start growing your success, you know, just based off your success. You have to grow, you have to grow or, or solve or prove success based off failure. Mm -hmm. So after kind of touching on all these different chapters and hopefully in a different way that you haven't really tackled before, how did you do it? And I'm curious, I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> therapy. <laughs> Shit, therapy. You need therapy. You need a team. You need friends. You need business people, you need mentors. You know, it's like you need the same shit you needed as a kid. And you need to go find that kid 
in yourself and and look at that kid and don't be ashamed of the negative shit that that kid was going through but look at how smart that fucking kid was to navigate right to get you here because if it wasn't for that kid right and the beauty, the innocence, the intelligence, you know what I mean? The hunger, the dream, like just the the drive and that, like go find that kid and then start seeing like, who are the people who help impact that kid? And then do, you deserve to do this for yourself as an adult. Have you been in therapy for, yeah. a, for a while? Like, are you in it now? Everybody needs a therapist. I agree. I've, I've been with mine for million, 10 years. When you get a million dollars, and you come from any hood or broken situation and you're and you're a professional athlete, go invest yourself in a fucking therapist. When because you- at least you got somebody that you can talk to, that can trust you, that you can trust. And if you're lying to them, you're fucking retarded. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. If you're <laughs> lying to them, it's just the dumbest thing that you can do. And it's like you're lying to yourself. So it, it just gives you the opportunity to be honest, to hear yourself to work through situations, to unravel that Rubik's Cube and like build clarity. Yeah. How long have you been in therapy? All my life. All your life since, but how long? Like literally? No, I'm just saying my life is therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been with mine for 10 years, but when you, when you talked about. I graduated from my therapist. She told me I graduated. I was mad as shit. She she terminated with you. She's like, you're good. And she said, you're like, you're good. You graduated. I was like, hell no. Where you going? Like, you're finding somebody (laughs) new. Shit. Don't send me back out in this world to think think alone. (laughs) I'm, I'm so glad my therapist didn't do that. For those that don't know. Yeah. Some of them had the, orientation of like once you achieve a certain amount of progress they will have to cut ties because it's like you've done we've achieved what we needed to achieve we can't go further fortunately my therapist hasn't done that with me yet i'm like oh don't go i know i'm about to go do some more fucked up shit so she'll take me back (laughs) (laughs) but but what you were saying about like go back and find and listen to that little kid in you sounded like therapy some yes because that's what it that's that's an experience (laughs) that the therapist was always do like what is prim the five-year-old prim want and any anytime they ask you that what does the five-year-old baron want you always know they know what yeah (laughs) you'll start crying but then you'll get to the answer of what your north star of what what you really need isn't it fascinating that like the five-year-old you will always know what's better for you and then like when you put yourself yeah like like your child self knows what the best thing you need for yourself as an adult. So as we're kind of like wrapping this up, what does the little Baron need for himself today in 2022? Uh, a house, security, um, just comfortable, comfortable, you know what I mean? Safe. Being safe, and uh, my kids, my kids, and then just like opportunity to just get out and do whatever we want. Yeah, just a, I would say more so like just an appreciation of like waking up every day. Hmm, it's very simple needs, very simple but very valuable, and. What do you want people to know about 
you because pe- people, a lot of people know a lot of things about you, mm-hmm. but they may not know you as a human being and a person as you stand today. So <laughs> what would you like people to know about you? I don't give a shit about these people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what they think about me. No, really? I, I mean, I, 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 I don't. I mean, no, nah, this is a bad joke. Uh, what do I want people to know about me? I don't know. I don't know. I like. I don't know. I, 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 I that is like it's hard. For me to answer questions like that, because uh, I don't really like you gonna know what you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care to like, like I don't have anything to broadcast or promote. You know what I mean? I just just here to share, mm-hmm. share my journey, share what I've learned, what I'm curious about, what I want to know. Um, that's it. Like, you know, people can get to know me if they want. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm very creative, maybe. That's what people, I got an album coming out, or I, I guess. You I do? Created, yeah, I created a character because I did not want, like, I started, like, making beats and rapping when I got divorced and shit. And so I, like, created a character and a whole like voice and sound for this character and like you know like that's I'm like really creative I guess that's what I want people to know is like like I love like creating stories TV shows music things like that yeah that's you know that's a it's a great answer you know and you are creative and I I appreciate um, your creativity here at Slick and all the things that you're doing. And also, I just want to express my gratitude for your partnership in supporting these concepts, many of which are led by minorities and people from members from historically marginalized communities and Mm -hmm. my show as well. Uh, It it really means a lot. And I I hope this conversation sheds light on, on your journey and really like how you did it because how you did it is like pretty amazing. It really is. No, this show is dope. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. I loved what BD said about purpose over profit. And it resonates even with me today as I continue to make this career transition from sports broadcasting and media into the field of psychology. Because it's just a good and simple reminder that we should never be driven by the outcome or end result, whether it be winning or money or fame or any sort of external validation. We should always be guided by our purpose in life because that's going to give us the bigger picture perspective we need to remain motivated, to keep on our head on straight, and to stick to our path no matter how hard it gets. Really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For more episodes, you know the drill. Just visit our show page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. And to watch the full version of these interviews, you can head on over to YouTube. Just search for the next chapter with Prim's Ripapap. Subscribe to us, like us, give us a star rating. We really appreciate you showing your support. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Prim underscore Saripapap. 
The next chapter with Prim's Riffipad is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.